0: Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. Today we are moving to the second apartment, or the most holy place of the sanctuary. We're going to be studying what happened on Earth and how it represents what's happening in in heaven uh, and in God's plan of salvation. And just as the outer court represents the Earth, because that's where Jesus was crucified, so in the most holy place that represents heaven and God's throne room for that stage of God's plan of redemption and what happened on earth in the most holy place represents that stage of what God is doing in heaven for us. So let's start with prayer. Dear Jesus, I pray you guide us this morning as we study these important things. Help us to realize how our salvation is tied up with what is happening in heaven and that you have an intimate knowledge of what's going on in our lives and an intimate desire to bring us in through your work. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Alright, folks, we're going to start with uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 7. But into the second Oh, the second um, apartment. Sorry, I couldn't think for a second. But into the second apartment went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. So the service in the second apartment only happened one day in the year. I'm going to read about that in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 352. No mortal eye but that of the high priest was to look upon the inner apartment of the sanctuary. Only once a year could the priest enter there, and that, after the most careful and solemn preparation, with trembling he went in before God, and the people in reverent silence awaited his return, their hearts uplifted in earnest prayer for the divine blessing. Before the mercy seat, the high priest made the atonement for Israel, and in the cloud of glory, God met with him. His stay here, beyond the accustomed time, filled them with fear, lest because of their sins or his own, he had been slain by the glory of the Lord. So one thing I want you to notice here is that the people were waiting in silence and earnest prayer this uh, Day of Atonement is representative of the time of atonement in which we now live, which began in 1844. We are living in that time, and our part is to be searching our hearts and living very plainly before the Lord. All right. Now we're going to read page 355 of the same book. Once a year, On the great day of atonement, the priest entered the most holy place for the cleansing of the sanctuary. I just want to stop here and say, why would he cleanse the sanctuary? Because all throughout the year, from the beginning up to that point, the sins of the people had been transferred there through. The priest would carry them in, the blood would carry them in, and then would be transferred to the most holy place where they all now resided. And they needed to be, the sins needed to be cleansed out of there. Sins are something that has got to be cleansed out and gotten rid of. So this is what his work was that one day. And that's what God's work is. The last part of his plan of salvation is to get rid of our sins that have been accumulating where he's been interceding for us. All right. The work there performed completed the yearly round of ministration. On the day of atonement, two kids of the goats were brought to the door of the tabernacle And lots were cast upon them, one lot for the Lord, and the other lot for a scapegoat. The goat upon which the first lot fell was to be slain as a sin offering for the people. And the priest was to bring his blood within the veil and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgression in all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. And that verse can be found, Leviticus 16, 16. And Aaron shall lay both of his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities into a land not inhabited. Not until the goat had been thus sent away did the people regard themselves as freed from the burden of their sins. Every man was to afflict his soul while the work of atonement was going forward. All business was laid aside, and the whole congregation of Israel spent the day in solemn Humiliation before God with prayer, fasting, and deep searching of heart. Now you notice that the scapegoat did not die for the sins of the people. Satan didn't die for our sins. Jesus did. Jesus died and paid the atonement for us. Satan will bear the sins that he caused people to commit. He will bear the punishment for for those sins. Important truths concerning the atonement were taught the people by this yearly service. In the sin offerings presented during the year, a substitute had been accepted in the sinner's stead, but the blood of the victim had not made full atonement for the sin. It had only provided a means by which the sin was transferred to the sanctuary. So by the offering of blood, the sinner acknowledged the authority of the law, confessed the guilt of his transgression, and expressed his faith in him who was to take away the sin of the world. That would be the faith in Jesus. But he was not entirely released from the condemnation of the law. On the day of atonement, a high priest, having taken an offering for the congregation, went into the most holy place with the blood and sprinkled it upon the mercy seat above the tables of the law. Now what we're reading here and what we're talking about is what God instituted for them to do in the earthly sanctuary so that they would understand what his plan would do. Thus, the claims of the law, which demanded the life of the sinner, were satisfied. So what I'm saying is, this is not some creed or doctrine that was made up by some group of people. This is what the Lord gave Moses and Aaron to do in the earthly sanctuary so that they would understand his plan. Okay. Then, in his character of mediator, the priest took the sins upon himself and leaving the sanctuary... He bore with him the burden of Israel's guilt and at the door of the tabernacle he laid his hands upon the head of the scapegoat and confessed over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins putting them upon the head of the scapegoat and as the goat bearing these sins was sent away they were with him regarded as forever they were with him regarded as forever separated from the people Such was the service performed unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. And that is found in Hebrews 8, 5. And what I would just say here is that the being sent into the wilderness represents the thousand years that Satan will be isolated on planet earth with no one alive but himself and the damage that he caused around him. So the scapegoat was sent into the wilderness. And it would die on its own. Out there. So now we're going to go to Leviticus sixteen, verse two. And the Lord said unto Moses. Speak unto Aaron, thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not, for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. This is the Lord's words. And now verse 29 and 30. And this shall be a statute forever unto you, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether it be one of your own country or a stranger that sojourneth among you. For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. So all year long the sacrifices were made, and the blood was transferred with their sins to the most holy place. And this day they would be cleansed from the most holy place. And that was an example and shadow for us of things to come, of heavenly things, so we would understand better. Atonement made on the tenth day of the seventh month. All sin would be put away on that day. Leviticus 16, verses 2 to 4. And the Lord said unto Moses, Be kind of Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is before the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat, and thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock, for a sin offering, and a ram, for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat, and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and shall be girded with a linen girdle, and with the linen mitre shall he be attired. These are holy garments; therefore shall he wash his flesh in water and so put them on. And the verse, I'm sorry, in verses eleven. 14. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. And he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord. And that was the fire that the Lord originally had kindled. And his hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, and bring it within the veil. And he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat, that is, upon the testimony that he die not. And he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward, and before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. That was the preparation of the priest for the service. Leviticus 16:7 and 8. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats. One lot for the Lord, the other lot for the scapegoat. I'm looking to see. Or Azazel. Or Azazel. My margin says. The scapegoat was called Azazel. Alright. Let's see here. Now I want to read. Great controversy page 419, a couple of paragraphs mm. once a year on the Great Day of Atonement, the priest entered the most holy place for the cleansing of the sanctuary. The work there performed completed the yearly round of ministration on the Day of Atonement. Two kids of the goats were brought to the door of the tabernacle, and lots were cast upon them one lot for the Lord, and the other lot for the scapegoat. The goat upon which fell the lot for the Lord was to be slain as a sin offering for the people. And the priest was to bring his blood within the veil and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. The blood was also to be sprinkled, sprinkled upon the altar of incense that was before the veil. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the life goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness and the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities and a land not inhabited. And that can be found in Leviticus 16, 8, 21 and 22. The scapegoat came no more into the camp of Israel and the man who led him away was required to wash himself and his clothing with water before he returned to the camp. Leviticus sixteen nine. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. And verses 15 to 19. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people, and bring his blood within the veil, and do do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock, and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions and all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. And there shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goeth in to make an atonement in the holy place until he come out and have made an atonement for himself and for his household and for all the congregation of Israel. And he shall go out unto the altar that is before the Lord and make an atonement for it. And shall take of the blood of the bullock and of the blood of the goat and put it upon the horns of the altar round about. And he shall sprinkle of the blood upon it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. So I just want to point out at this point just to, I know it's getting redundant, but I'm going to say it again, that so all year long, sacrifices had been made every day and the daily services in the holy place done, and all of the sins of the people day by day were transferred into the most holy place to be cleansed at the end, and that the whole thing every year from beginning to end was an example of type and shadow of God's plan of salvation. And so here the Lord says that this is being done, this is a day of atonement, and it would hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. So even though their sacrifices had been offered for their particular sins during the year, there was an uncleanness that remained in the holy, most holy place that needed to be finally, ultimately cleansed. And that will be so with God's universe. It's going to be finally, ultimately cleansed from the most holy place where Jesus mediates for us now for the sins that we commit now. Alright, so I'm going back to my book. The Lord's goat offering was a sin offering. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 355 and 356. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions in all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness, and the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited. Not until the goat had been thus sent away did the people regard themselves as freed from the burden of their sins. Every man was to afflict his soul while the work of atonement was going forward. All business was laid aside, and the whole congregation of Israel spent the day in solemn humiliation before God with prayer, fasting, and deep searching of heart. Important truths concerning the atonement were taught the people by this yearly service. In the sin offerings presented during the year, a substitute had been accepted in the sinner's stead, but the blood of the victim had not made full atonement for the sin. It had only provided a means by which the sin was transferred to the sanctuary. By the offering of blood, the sinner acknowledged the authority of the law. He confessed the guilt of his transgression he expressed his faith in him who was to take away the sin of the world but he was not entirely released from the condemnation of the law on the day of atonement the high priest having taken an offering for the congregation went into the most holy place with the blood and sprinkled it upon the mercy seat before the tables of the law thus the claims of the law which demanded the life of the sinner were satisfied then in his character of mediator the priest took the sins upon himself And leaving the sanctuary, he bore with him the burden of Israel's guilt. And at the door of the tabernacle, he laid his hands upon the head of the scapegoat, confessed over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel, which Satan has caused people to to commit, by the way, and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat. And as the goat bearing these sins was sent away, they were with him regarded as forever separated from the people. Such was the Service performed unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. And that verse can be found in Hebrews 8:5, that it was an example and shadow of heavenly things. All right, so going now to Numbers 29, 7 to 11. verse 29 verses 7 through 11 and you shall have on the tenth day of this seventh month a holy convocation and you shall afflict your souls which just means that they would fast and uh, pray and ye shall not do any work therein but you shall offer a burnt offering unto the Lord for a sweet savor one young bullock one ram and seven lambs of the first year they shall be unto you without blemish and their meat offering shall be of flour mingled with oil, three-tenth deals to a bullock, two-tenth deals to one ram, a several-tenth deal for one lamb throughout the seven lambs. Where was I supposed to read to? Oh, to 11. Okay. One kid of the goats for a sin offering besides the sin offering of atonement and the continual burnt offering and the meat offering of it and their drink offering. Sin offering offered on the day of atonement besides the sin offering of atonement. Leviticus 16:18 to 19 And he shall go out unto the altar that is before the Lord and make an atonement for it and shall take of the blood of the bullock and of the blood of the goat and put it upon the horns of the altar round about and he shall sprinkle of the blood upon it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel That's that the last work performed by the priest in the sanctuary was at the altar in the first apartment. I'm going to turn to early writings, page two eighty 280 and two eighty one. Every case had been decided for life or death. While Jesus had been ministering in the sanctuary, the judgment had been going on for the righteous dead and then for the righteous living. Christ had received his kingdom, having made the atonement for his people and blotted out their sins. The subjects of the kingdom were made up. The marriage of the Lamb was consummated and the kingdom and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven was given to Jesus and the heirs of salvation. And Jesus was to reign King of Kings and Lord of Lords. As Jesus moved out of the most holy place, I heard the tinkling of the bells upon his garment. And as he left, a cloud of darkness covered the inhabitants of the earth. There was now no mediator between guilty man and an offended God. While Jesus had been standing between God and guilty man, a restraint was upon the people. But when he stepped out from between man and the Father, the restraint was was removed and Satan had entire control of the finally impenitent. It was impossible for the plagues to be poured out while Jesus officiated in the sanctuary, but as his work there is finished and his intercession closes, there is nothing to stay the wrath of God, and it breaks with fury upon the shelterless head of the guilty sinner who has slighted salvation and hated reproof. In that fearful time after the close of Jesus' mediation, The saints were living in the sight of a holy God without an intercessor. Every case was decided, every jewel numbered. Jesus tarried a moment in the outer apartment of the heavenly sanctuary, and the sins which had been confessed while he was in the most holy place were placed upon Satan, the originator of sin, who must suffer their punishment. Then I saw Jesus lay off his priestly attire and clothe himself with his most kingly robes. Upon his head were many crowns, a crown within a crown. Surrounded by the angelic host, he left heaven. The plagues were falling upon the inhabitants of the earth. Some were denouncing God and cursing him. Others rushed to the people of God and begged to be taught how they might escape his judgments. But the saints had nothing for them. The last tear for sinners had been shed. The last agonizing prayer offered. The last burden borne. The last warning given. The sweet voice of mercy was no more to invite them. When the saints in all heaven were interested for their salvation, they had no interest for themselves. Life and death had been set before them. Many desired life, but made no effort to obtain it. They did not choose life, and now there was no atoning blood to cleanse the guilty. No compassionate Savior to plead for them and cry, spare the sinner a little longer. All heaven had united with Jesus as they heard the fearful words, "'It is done, it is finished,' The plan of salvation had been accomplished, but few had chosen to accept it. And as mercy's sweet voice died away, fear and horror seized the wicked. With terrible distinctness, they hear the words, too late, too late. Leviticus 16, verse 20. And when he had made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. So when the priest comes out from the sanctuary in type, he bears all the confessions of the people. And there is then an end of all reconciling. He's not in there anymore. Reconciling. Testimonies, Volume 2, page 691. Many entertain the view that probation is granted after Jesus leaves his work as mediator in the Most Holy Apartment. This is the sophistry of Satan. God tests and proves the world by the light which he is pleased to give them previous to the coming of Christ. Characters are then formed for life or death. But the probation of those who choose to live a life of sin and neglect the great salvation offered closes when Christ's ministration ceases. Just previous to his appearing in the clouds of heaven. Mm. Let's see. Early Writings, page 280. Oh, it's 279. Okay. Mm. Jesus had been ministering in the sanctuary. Every case had been decided for life or death. The judgment had been going on for the righteous dead and then for the righteous living. Christ had received his kingdom, having made the atonement for his people and blotted out their sins. The subject of the kingdom were made up. The marriage of the Lamb was consummated, and the kingdom and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven was given to Jesus. And the heirs of salvation in Jesus was to reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. Great Controversy, page 490 and 491. We are now living in the great day of atonement. In the typical service, while the high priest was making the atonement for Israel, all were required to afflict their souls by repentance of sin, by humiliation before the Lord, lest they be cut off from among the people. In like manner, all who would have their names retained in the book of life should now, in the few remaining days of their probation, afflict their souls before God by sorrow for sin and true repentance. There must be a deep, faithful searching of heart. The light, frivolous spirit indulged by so many of professed Christians must be put away. There is earnest warfare before all who would subdue the evil tendencies that strive for the mastery, The work of preparation is an individual work. We're not saved in groups. The purity and devotion of one will not offset the want of these qualities in another. And though all nations are to pass in judgment before God, yet he will examine the case of each individual with as close and searching scrutiny as if there were not another being upon the earth. Everyone must be tested and found without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Solemn are the scenes connected with the closing work of the atonement momentous are the interests involved therein. The judgment is now passing in the sanctuary above. For more than 40 years this work has been progressing. We'll see when this was written it was in the 1800s. So more like over 100 now. Soon, none know how soon it will pass to the cases of the living. In the awful presence of God our lives are to come up in review. At this time above all others It behooves every soul to heed the Savior's admonition. Watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. When the work of the investigative judgment closes, the destiny of all have been decided for life or death. Probation is ended a short time before the appearing of the Lord in the clouds of heaven. Christ, in the revelation, looking forward to that time, declares... He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. So, Leviticus chapter 16. Back to Leviticus chapter 16. Verses 10 and 21. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. And verse 21 And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat, confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send them away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. The sins were all laid on the head of a scapegoat. Great Controversy, page 485. The work of the investigative judgment and the blotting out of sins is to be accomplished before the second advent of the Lord, since the dead are to be judged out of the things written in the books. It's impossible that the sins of men should be blotted out until after the day of judgment after the judgment at which their cases are to be investigated. Okay. But the apostle Peter distinctly makes sense. There are people who say it was all done at the cross. But this is saying that until after the judgment, when their cases are investigated, their sins have to be um, accumulated, looked at, and judged, and then blotted out, those that have been confessed. But the Apostle Peter distinctly states the sins of believers will be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ. When the investigative judgment closes, Christ will come, and his reward is with him to give every man as his work shall be. In the typical service, the high priest, having made atonement for Israel, came forth and blessed the congregation. So Christ, at the close of his work as a mediator, will appear without sin under salvation to bless his waiting people with eternal life. As the priest, in removing the sins from the sanctuary, confessed them upon the head of the scapegoat, so Christ will place all these sins upon Satan, the originator and instigator of these sins, of all sin. The scapegoat, bearing the sins of Israel, was sent away to a land not inhabited. So Satan, bearing the guilt of all the sins which he has caused God's people to commit, will be for a thousand years confined to the earth, which will then be desolate without inhabitant, and he will at last suffer the full penalty of sin in the fires that shall destroy all the wicked. Thus the great plan of redemption will reach its accomplishment in the final eradication of sin and the deliverance of all who have been willing to renounce evil. Psalm 716 seven verse sixteen. His mischief shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealings shall come down upon his own pate. <laughs> That's an old fashioned word you don't hear much, pate. Somebody's head. Okay, David understood that the sins would come down upon the head of the evil one. Leviticus sixteen twenty-two And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. The goat was led into the wilderness. Patriarchs and Prophets. We're getting very close to the end now, so bear with me. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 355. 355. Hmm. Once a year on the great day of atonement, the priest entered the most holy place for the cleansing of the sanctuary. i sure I'm reading the right thing here. Okay. Okay. The work there performed completed the yearly round of ministration. On the day of atonement, two kids of the goats were brought to the door of the tabernacle. Lots were cast upon them. One lot for the Lord the other lot for the scapegoat. The goat upon which the first lot fell was to be slain as a sin offering for the people. And the priest was to bring his blood within the veil and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions in all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. That can be found in Leviticus 16:16, 16, 16. and Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat, and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel, and all their transgression and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness, and the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities, and into a land not inhabited, and not until the goat had been thus sent away, did the people regard themselves as freed from the burden of their sins. Every man was to afflict his soul while the work of atonement was going forward. All business was laid aside. The whole congregation of Israel spent the day in solemn humiliation before God with prayer, fasting, and deep searching of heart. Important truths concerning the atonement were taught the people by this yearly service. So the fit man, I believe personally and uh, uh, I'll leave it up to you to make up your own mind but I believe that the fit man is the God's people at the end of time who are sealed and beyond the point of temptation, and Satan has, he tries to tempt them. They're the only people left. They're God's people that are left on the earth. Everybody else that sinned joined him, but they have not, and they are beyond being tempted. They're sealed. And uh, so, because there's nothing he can do to get them to sin, they're the fit man, and by them, he is going to be led into the wilderness. Uh, in other words, he'll be left on a desolated planet when they're gone, and it's the anyway, so you can search it out yourself if you like There's a man if I can think of his name watchman knee Who uh, shared that in one of his books and it was uh, it seemed right to me, but of course It's up to you to think what you will so we are now Revelation 22 11 and 12 Revelation 22, 11 and 12. Hmm. Only the serious Bible students are staying with me on this. I'm telling you, it's it's a good practice to study this. 11 and 12. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Very good. When our high priest leaves the sanctuary to come to the earthly court, every case will have been decided for eternity. The early writings, page 279 and 280. I was pointed down to the time when the third angel's message was closing the power of God had rested upon his people. They had accomplished their work and were prepared for the trying hour before them. They had received the latter rain or refreshing from the presence of the Lord and the living testimony had been revived. The last great warning had sounded everywhere and it had stirred up and enraged the inhabitants of the earth who would not receive the message. Sad, isn't it? The inhabitants of the earth would not receive it the third angel's message. I saw angels hurrying to and fro in heaven, an angel with a writer's ink cord by his side returned from the earth and reported to Jesus that his work was done, and the saints were numbered and sealed. Then I saw Jesus, who had been ministering before the ark, containing the Ten Commandments, throw down the censer. He raised his hands and with a loud voice said, It's done. And all the angelic hosts laid off their crowns as Jesus made the solemn declaration He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Wow. And I just want to remind you of that statement that I don't have the (laughs) the reference for it, but it, it states that we're not, Eve wasn't guilty for believing a lie. And we're not, it's not held against us if we honestly believe a lie. But when we refuse to believe the truth when it's been presented to us, that is what is going to take us down. Refusing to believe God's truth when it's so clear. And that pride stems in the way that we refuse to receive it. So I would just ask that you at least be open-hearted enough to consider the things that you're hearing and ask the Lord to guide you. He will guide you, right? Okay. Now, if I can go to Revelation 20, 1-3. Yeah. I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. He's chained because he has no one to tempt and he'll be loosed because the wicked will be raised and suddenly he'll have people again at the end. Let's see. Satan, the antitypical scapegoat, receives the sins of the righteous, And is left upon the desolate earth. Now we're getting to the last reference, references, two references left. Great Controversy, page 658. 658. Revelator foretells the banishment of Satan and the condition of chaos and desolation to which the earth is to be reduced, and he declares that this condition will exist for a thousand years. After presenting the scenes of the Lord's second coming and the destruction of the wicked, the prophecy continues, I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent which is the devil and Satan bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled and after that he must be loosed a little season. That the expression bottomless pit represents the earth in a state of confusion and darkness is evident from other scriptures concerning the condition of the earth. In the beginning, the Bible record says that it was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep, All right, Early Writings, and this is our last couple of paragraphs, Early Writings, page 178, 178, Satan did not then exult as he had done. He had hoped to break up the plan of salvation, but it was laid too deep, and now by the death of Christ he knew that he himself must finally die and his kingdom be given to Jesus. He held a council with his angels. He had prevailed nothing against the Son of God, and now they must increase their efforts, and with their power and cunning, turn to his followers. They must prevent all whom they could from receiving the salvation purchased for them by Jesus. By so doing, Satan could still work against the government of God. Also, it would be for his own interest to keep from Jesus as many as possible. For the sins of those who are redeemed by the blood of Christ will at last be rolled back upon the originator of sin and he must bear their punishment while those who do not accept salvation through Jesus will suffer the penalty of their own sins. The life of Christ had ever been without worldly wealth, honor, or display. His humility and self-denial had been in striking contrast to the pride and self-indulgence of the priests and elders. His spotless purity was a continual reproof of their sins. They despised him for his humility, holiness, and purity. But those who despised him here will one day see him in the grandeur of heaven and the surpassing glory of his Father. And then 280 and 281 will end our study. Every case has been decided for life or death while Jesus had been ministering in the sanctuary. The judgment had been going on for the righteous dead and then for the righteous living. Christ had received his kingdom, having made the atonement for his people and blotted out their sins. The subject of the kingdom were made up. The marriage of the Lamb was consummated, and the kingdom and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven was given to Jesus and the heirs of salvation. And Jesus was to reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. As Jesus moved out of the most holy place, I heard the tinkling of the bells upon his garment, and as he left, a cloud of darkness covered the inhabitants of the earth. There was then no mediator between guilty man and an offended God. While Jesus had been standing between God and guilty man, a restraint was upon the people, but when he stepped out from between man and the Father, the restraint was removed, and Satan had entire control of the finally impenitent. It was impossible for the plagues to be poured out while Jesus officiated in the sanctuary. But as his work there is finished, his intercession closes, and there is nothing to stay the wrath of God. It breaks with fury upon the shelterless heads of the guilty sinner, who has slighted salvation and hated reproof. In that fearful time, after the close of Jesus' mediation, the saints were living in the sight of a holy God without an intercessor. Every case was decided, every jewel numbered, Jesus tarried a moment in the outer apartment of the heavenly sanctuary. The sins which had been confessed while he was in the most holy place were there placed upon Satan, the originator of sin, who must suffer their punishment. Then I saw Jesus lay off his priestly attire and clothe himself with his most kingly robes. Upon his head were many crowns. A crown within a crown, surrounded by the angelic host, he left heaven. The plagues were falling upon the inhabitants of the earth. Some were denouncing God and cursing him. Others rushed to the people of God and begged to be taught how they might escape his judgments. But the saints had nothing for them. The last tear for sinners had been shed. The last agonizing prayer offered. The last burden borne. The last warning given. The sweet voice of mercy was no more to invite them. When the saints in all heaven were interested for their salvation, they had no interest for themselves. Life and death had been set before them. Many desired life, but made no effort to obtain it. They did not choose life, and now there was no atoning blood to cleanse the guilty, no compassionate Savior to plead for them and cry, Spare! Spare the sinner a little longer. All heaven had united with Jesus as they heard the fearful words, It is done, it is finished. The plan of salvation had been accomplished, but few had chosen to accept it. And as mercy's sweet voice died away, fear and horror seized the wicked. Terrible distinctness, they heard the words, Too late, too late. The Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world should be made the central thought of every text that we read. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm going to go back and summarize everything that we have learned quickly. There's a service in the second apartment that happens only one day in the year. Atonement made on the tenth day of the seventh month. All sin was put away on that day. And since the Jewish calendar begins at April 1st, April, the beginning of April, will be April to May, May to June, June to July, July to August, August to September, September to October. So somewhere between uh, September and October, April, May, June, July, September, October, or November, somewhere in that time of the year. And depending on the moons, because they had a lunar calendar, they would know when that month came around. Some months, and our months have two moons, so you just count the moons the tenth day of the seventh month. All sin was put away on that day. The preparation of the priest for service, lots cast upon the goat, the Lord's goat offered as a sin offering. the sin offering offered on the day of atonement, besides the sinner's offering of atonement. The last work performed by the priest in the sanctuary was at the altar in the first apartment. The priest comes out from the sanctuary in type. He bears all the confessions of the people, and there is then an end of all reconciling, no more mediation. The sins are all laid upon the head of the scapegoat. David understood the sins would come down upon the head of the evil one. The goat was led to the wilderness, and when our high priest leaves the sanctuary to come to the earthly court, every case will have been decided for eternity. Satan, the antitypical scapegoat, will receive the sins of the righteous. He'll be left upon the desolate earth a thousand years. And the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world will be made the central thought of every text. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This is the way that he has chosen to eradicate sin permanently from his universe. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you for those who have stuck with me through this study and are willing to think about these things and to search them out they can be prepared to accept your only begotten Son for who he is, that he is actually your Son. Thank you, Lord, in your name I pray. Amen. Okay, brothers and sisters, God bless you today. I hope to see you in the morning. Tomorrow we're going to be studying the judgment, and that is going to be very full of information. I'll see you in the morning.